Hey everyone, welcome back to In It For The Long Haul with Zeke and Lexi Hall. We're excited that we finally jumped back into this to-be-continued episode only to end in another to-be-continued episode. Yeah, this season is just all out of whack. Nothing's happening in order. I mean, it's happening in order, but just very slowly. We did get a two-on-one, which the dramatics of that have been absent from the last few seasons. I would say we are getting a two-on-one. Yeah, in the process. To be continued. It has started. (laughs) But it's not in the past. So I'm excited to see how that unfolds. I think that my first impression, Rose, of this episode is that Clayton is a lot more forgiving than the past two Bachelorette leads. No kidding. (laughs) And obviously it's great to give people a second chance, but for who he's extending that to, Shanae, I think that Clayton might see it as a second chance, but it's probably her 11th or 12th chance. He just hasn't seen all the time she's tested the, um, well, stirred the pot, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would say my first impression, Rose, is that Shanae is a really good villain. Um, you know, obviously she's very hateable. She's, you know, admitting openly to her lying and fakeness. Um, and that's what you love to see. You love to see someone who's there to, to stir the pot. I mean, it does get a little frustrating at times, but it's entertaining. It really is. And she's even kind of giving us a behind the scenes look at her own tactics. We're like in the Shanae school of acting and bachelor villainry. Trademark. Yes. It's uh it's quite the it's quite the clinic as as they would say. <laughs> <laughs> you know, putting on a clinic. You ever heard that? Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, bachelor villainry clinic. Yeah, she's putting on a clinic in how to be a bachelor villain. I mean, if her clinic wants to sponsor this podcast, I'm not going to reject that. We'll have to talk about that <laughs> as a company. <laughs> It'll hurt our brand, maybe. Maybe a little. Maybe. But well, hey, there's no bad press, right? Exactly. Well, let's jump into things. I think that this episode felt really fast. Yeah, it really does when you watch uh, a couple days after on Hulu and <laughs> you don't have to deal with commercials. Fair enough. But even given that, yeah, just no, the really way did. that they flew through the um, first one-on-one date, which is technically last week's second one-on-one date, um, it was it just felt really anymore. rapid. Yeah. It seems like they did really kind of whip through some things in this episode, um, which, I mean, I guess is okay. I think sometimes you know, some stuff gets drawn out and I I don't know. I don't know what they're up to. It's crazy. But yeah, this episode started with, I think how the last episode started, which was a handful of girls sitting around recapping the Sinead drama from the previous uh, day or the previous, whatever the last thing we saw in last episode was. Uh, This time it was Susie, Rachel, and Jill. We've got a couple front runners and a... Caboose. Uh, yeah, so they're, I don't know, they're just talking about it, discussing what happened, talking about how she, she's got to go. I don't know. Nothing really new here. Yeah, 
I think that the first exciting piece was Serene's one-on-one and the entire Galveston Pier to themselves, which I've always wanted to visit. So I can't pull that type of clout, but I'm sure it would still be a good experience. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they're at this pier. um, You know, they're doing all the rides. Some of them, I mean, they look fun, but I'm also, I don't, I feel like I would be concerned. I mean, like you've got like carnival rides, which are very sketchy, just like in some park somewhere. And you have like roller coaster rides, like at Six Flags. Um, you know, and that's like legit. You can see the bolts bolted into concrete, you know, it's great. But this is like roller coasters built on a pier. This kind of sketches me out. I need to see the construction of what's going on here. Well, I'm sure based on Texas engineering code, it's probably up to speed. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's fine, but um Don't mess with Texas. <laughs> but yeah, it just seems crazy. But you know, there's there's a roller coaster. They, you know, they're doing that water shooting game. Um, and then teacups. Who came up with teacups? What kind of sick person? Literally, pun Literally sick. What kind I of sick person it. came up with teacups? There's no, there's no fear. There's no adrenaline. Um, yeah. It's just nausea. It's just this, nausea. It's an anger. They had, they weren't invited to tea parties as a child. So now they villainize teacups and they have to turn it into a traumatic experience. Dang. Add that to the Wikipedia page. There's my thought. Dang. Yeah. So I don't know. I just think I'm not interested in spinning until I get sick. You know, it's it's not my fave. But so that's basically, you know, that's all you need to know about me and, and theme parks. I'll do basically anything except for spinning stuff. Cause it's not fun. Yeah, me neither. I mean, I could kind of get down with the thing that spins so fast that you stick to the walls. Like that doesn't no. make me sick. But that's because that's kind of cool. Because there's some like fun physics stuff there. But teacups, no. Um, but yeah, we learned that Clayton, being a good Eureka, Missouri boy, did work at Six Flags growing up, and he got a chance to show off his theme park um, hospitality by donning an apron and getting behind the ice cream. Kind of like the Sunday, the soda fountain uh, counter and, you know, serving, serving some ice cream. I think that's cute. I am not surprised that he worked at Six Flags. It brings up the question again for me as to whether or not his, like, family had some sort of clout with Six Flags and, like, managerial positions. <laughs> no, if you live in Eureka, you just work for Six Flags. I know, but a, I'm, I, I'm just wondering, like, if his parents were associated with Six Flags in any way. Oh, I doubt it. But you who know? knows? Maybe. Maybe, maybe. But of course he worked there. Even if yeah. his parents weren't affiliated, you've got to work at Six Flags if you live in Eureka. Where else are you going to work? McDonald's. The McDonald's by Six Flags in Eureka is yeah. great. It's a life It's connected to a gas station, too, though. Oh, I thought there was a freestanding one. Either way, I oh, still... Oh, maybe. I don't know. I'm still all about the Eureka McDonald's. Okay. Um, yeah. How do you feel about the, um, you know, sit in, a little, sit in a little chair with some, you know, chains that are like 80 feet long and go up in the air and spin? How do you feel about those rides? The mm. one that they rode in this episode? I don't like the high swings. Mm. Those stress me out. Yeah, you know, I enjoy those because you're. it feels like you're flying through the air. It's kind of close as you can get, um, except for like, you know, skydiving or something. Um, but yeah, when you do look at it and like really think hard about, you know, it just takes one link of that chain Stop! to break. Never again. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, they, they, I'm sure they inspect them just great uh, and it's totally safe and people don't die. 
Um, and it's like steel. You know, steel's not just going to randomly break as long as it's not rusted or something. I don't know. Look out for those rusty chains. <laughs> You're a rusty chain. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, we get a little bit of like actual conversation here after all the fun. Um, he has intuited, he's noticed that she um, is a little bit closed off, a little bit withholding with her feelings. And he describes this as thinking that she has a dark side, which is um, does not come across the way that he what he means um but it's just a bad choice of words there for clayton um you don't want to say dark side (laughs) no he it does not convey what he means there um he's insinuating that she just is more reserved and has some mystery to her some uncovered layers and or undiscovered layers rather might be um, unpeeled layers. Um, so Clayton, I think he's a little bit nervous here. Um, even though he's in his element at a theme park, this Six Flags boy. But lucky for him, the Bachelor producers are cutting, chopping, straight up macheting this portion of the date because they want it to go quickly. So yeah. we don't get to see much more of his awkward conversations on the swing. So we're going yeah. straight into the nighttime portion. Well, that conversation wasn't on the swing. You can't, you can't hear anything. Um, I do wonder, though. I mean, you say you say theme park is his, like, place. Does he even fit in those rides? Like, he probably, there's probably rides he can't even fit in. He's too big. Mm, you gotta know? play it very carefully. Yeah, I mean, certainly if he was going down to Silver Dollar City, he wouldn't be able to fit in Fire in the Hole. he did his head oh man um but yeah so we get to the nighttime portion and um yeah serene oh my note here says serene opens up more about not opening up which i just realized uh, upon reading that um sounds funny but yeah no she starts talking and kind of admitting what clayton has pointed out that she isn't super forthcoming about her feelings um i think we saw this on the group you know truth circle of truth date um you know where she didn't grow up in a home where they really talked about their feelings um it was just kind of like you know i don't know what the vibe is but yeah just kind of we don't talk about our feelings here just kind of you gotta get done what you gotta get done um you know we're not gonna sit and commiserate about stuff um and clayton i think as we has have also saw he can kind of sympathize with that that's kind of how he felt his house was going on and this really got into that uncomfortable like we're talking about my parents on national television and like the things that they are not, um, or like the things that we wish that they were better at or things that we didn't love about our growing up, which is just always uncomfortable to watch people like, Oh, I mean, I'm sure that they like have talked about these things. There's like hope that they've, I guess they know it's like you probably finish the show and call your mom and dad and be like, Hey, so I had these conversations on, on TV. And so you might see some of this. So, Let's talk about it. Hopefully that happens. Otherwise, it could be really awko. Right. I agree with you. I was going to say the same thing. Like, how do you just openly talk about your parents when you know you're getting filmed and that it's going to air? And I mean, even when you do preempt the conversation by talking with them after the show, still when you see what your kids say live and what it sounds like there I mean it's still gonna bring up some hurt feelings and probably be difficult so 
Yeah, I noticed that with both of the one-on-one conversations this week. Like, some major parent slams. And um, Clayton even kind of got in on the action. So, that's difficult. But it's good to talk about. You need to if you're trying to get to know someone that you're seriously thinking about marrying. But it's just, like, such an awkward process because your parents are privy to those conversations. And they just wouldn't be in real life so I know all your deep dark secrets about your parents and you know they'll never know as they're listening to this podcast right now what What are you talking about I don't know what you're referring to (laughs) I'm just kidding um yeah so she also then goes on to talk about how it's been hard for her lately because she's experienced some loss in the last couple years um she had a grandma who was she was almost as close to as her mom who who recently passed away and then she had a cousin who is just about a year younger than her who recently passed away she doesn't know all the details um but she she kind of was able to like mourn that loss a little bit with Clayton um she you know told some stories about some foibles they had growing up um you know some lightning bug killing and smearing on face um <laughs> but shark bait Ooh-ah. What? <laughs> what is that? That it was just so random. Ritualistic to me, like smearing the light. I don't know. Okay, I see. Brings up it brings up Nemo vibes. <laughs> Mount Wanahakalugi. Um, but yeah. So I don't know anything else on this nighttime portion. Pretty, I don't know, like standard stuff. But I mean, pretty, pretty normal. Yeah, I think that um, the date did not feel like it completely gelled like we've seen with other dates and I think that you know I'm glad she opened up I don't want to say that it saved her chances because I don't want to minimize the um you know tragedy that she shared and I can certainly relate to it as someone who has recently lost important people in my life but I um I think that it was going toward a trajectory of her not receiving the rose until she said that and I don't think she was saying it to save herself or because she thought she wasn't going to get a rose I think it's something she wanted him to know but after she shared that I was like well you know I think she is going to get a rose not because she shared that and it would be awkward not to give her one but because he really connected to her on that point and learned more about her because she shared that but it certainly did also change the um, tone of the date and just the the connection that they had and and you could see a lot more realistically that she would receive a rose and that they were growing in their connection but before that I I wasn't so confident yeah yeah the whole date just kind of I don't know it just felt weird I don't know what it was about it um it was also extremely rushed because of the way the producers cut it so that plays into it too um but yeah I don't know not a hundred percent there for me yeah I think uh at the end um the Serene did she I think she said something about feeling like she was starting to fall in love with Clayton which yeah I don't know feels kind of early but um that's how it always goes it's like wait we're only like four or five episodes this is like episode five but we're only on week like four so you know big 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 moves big words um we'll just have to see as always We always have to see, always have to wait and see what goes on. Sometimes stuff really surprises you. 
Uh, anything else on uh, Rachel's date? I don't think so. Or not Rachel, sorry. <laughs> um, Serene. Serene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was just, I said Rachel because I had her name written down because her date just didn't feel quite as magical as Rachel's, um, who at this point, as far as I'm concerned, is the front runner. Um, Ooh, big words. I know, big hot takes. Um, I don't know. I maybe said something different at the end of last episode. Who knows? I'm not going to go back and listen. You can uh, let me know. Um, yeah, so we do get a cocktail party, sort of. At least it appears we're going to. Um, it starts out, Jill has some um, words for Shanae. She says that it's, you know, hurtful. Some things she said. <laughs> and, and then that's it. <laughs> Shanae doesn't really care, um, as is the norm at this point. But Clayton is in an interesting move. I don't know if I've ever seen this before. He pulls the... Um, what was it? The Purple Punishers? Is that what their name was? Yeah. I don't know. The team that won the football game from the group date last episode, who Shanae interrupted their nighttime portion, just catching you up. Uh, and he basically wants t- to hear what was going on with Shanae um, since she interrupted their date. Uh, and, you know, they tell her, they tell him about how she, you know, like cursed at them and then grabbed the trophy from their date and like through it i guess it was into a pond it was very poorly lit so i guess there was maybe a little i don't know like a little koi pond or something that she threw it into it just kind of looked like it was into some bushes but um they kept saying pond so i guess that's what it was um but yeah then basically he like thanks them for telling him and he's very concerned of course and then he gets shanae and i'm just gonna like run through this because i don't know unless you have like comments you want to throw in here or there well, I think that this should set a new precedent for pulling multiple women at once because then you can get multiple perspectives. People can either validate each other and validate each other in front of them. Um, and, you know, it just creates more accountability for everyone. Heck, I don't even think it would be bad if he addressed the situation in front of all 20-something women sitting on the couch and just, you know, I don't know. I just think pulling one person at a time yeah, is just a, a slow process, an ineffective process, because it's he said, she said. And, you know, you're not addressing it head on or even getting a third perspective in with just like a bystander in the house to confirm or deny these details that these two adversaries are clearly opposed on, you know? Yeah, I've been saying he needs to just do like a little a little vote of all the women say if you think Shanae, <laughs> everyone close close your eyes if you think that Shanae is the worst and needs to get out of here like I'm hearing raise your hand. And if you get like if you get more than half of the women, I mean if you get a majority of the women who think that, that major red flag. Um Right, and in her case, not a single person would, you know, keep their hand down. Yeah, unless they were like fear, like scared or had ul- ul- ulterior motives or something. But yeah, no, I mean, I think that if he took a little straw poll, I mean, it seems that it doesn't matter though, because she can just like convince him that it's fine. Um, so what happens is basically he confronts her. She does tell him she she relays the same information that he got from the group. So she does uh, tell the truth about what she did, but she definitely framed it in like a you know I was like frustrated and angry which I don't know what she would have been angry about I guess oh she said she was angry about just like the fact that they were talking about her Mm. which I mean like I guess that's like a fair angle because it's like you guys are on this date this group date 
with Clayton, she's not there. Don't talk about her. Just like talk about you guys. Um, so then, yeah, she, <laughs> he, he asks her if she's apologetic for, for these actions that are concerning. And, you know, this is, you know, this could have been anything <laughs> totally could have been edited this way. Um, but also is believable that it's a, it's a genuine, like quizzical look that she gave him like, sorry, like, what, what are you talking about? Why would I be sorry? <laughs> um, but then he kind of like presses her a little more after that look, at least in the, in the way we were presented it. And then she's like, oh yeah, 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 of course. Like, I'm sorry. I feel bad for what I did and said. And, um, I'm definitely apologetic. Um, but yeah, so she then decides to do the, the most difficult thing she's ever had to do in her life. Talk about a privileged life um, and <laughs> has to and goes and gives. It, it was interesting because before they showed her starting to cry, they showed the reactions of some of the rest of the women to the fact that she was starting to cry, which was this like very surprised, um, funny look. It was just great. It was a good, good reaction. That's one of the best things about The Bachelor, honestly, is just like the facial reactions of the contestants when stuff happens when people say crazy stuff you just get the best faces and so we got some some more you know gifable moments um from this interaction but she offers this like tearful apology she says you know all of these things um i think like who was it uh like marlena and Susie. i think were like we accept your apology like we're not speaking for anyone else but we we do accept your apology and hope that you're actions moving forward um you know confirm that you're actually sorry which is the right i mean it's kind of the right way to look at an apology is like i forgive you um but if it's genuine that will that will be borne out by how you act moving forward this isn't just like a you know we forget everything yeah (laughs) Uh, and so that's definitely true um so then yeah she goes back to clayton and reports back that she did this thing and meanwhile she's telling the camera that it's of course all fake that she's not sorry at all um good stuff good stuff from our villain um but he's just he's eating it up and he's such a big i mean like fair enough he's like owning up to it on twitter and stuff like right now he's you know like like people are like calling him like making like clown jokes about him being a clown and he's like totally owning up to it which which is good he and he like issued a statement after last week's episode about how he like was like apologizing to Elizabeth. Obviously, he's like in retrospect, you know, I wasn't seeing everything. I wasn't seeing the way that she was behaving around the rest of the women, um, you know, which is like fair. He can't. He has to like make decisions based on what he can see um, and what he and he has to make judgments about who to believe and, and what to believe because yeah. you know, people and you I, know, give you I, a story. I think it is nice to see him want to offer her a chance to apologize and redeem herself because usually there are no second chances on this show and so I appreciate that about him but the problem is she is not actually sorry and you know she tells the camera that it's all an act and it's the best performance of her life and she needs an Oscar and Emmy and a Tony and all the things and um you know, I think that that's really unfortunate. And Clayton is being played by his own um, kindness and compassion 
um, because she just, it, you know, it's one thing to like give someone who is actually sorry a second chance. And it's another thing to accidentally extend a second chance to someone who's not even thinking that they messed up in the first place and is just putting on an act. So I kind of feel bad for Clayton in some ways, but also I think that like, it's pretty obvious from time after time hearing from the other women in the house that her behavior um, is not changing and that it's pretty widespread. And um, he even saw her kind of act flagrantly in front of him and Elizabeth when he was talking to both of them. And so, I mean, I just, I think that like, yes, maybe Clayton was a little naive over forgiving, whatever, but, uh, I feel like he does know enough, even if he didn't see it all, for him to be a little bit more forceful and say, hey, you know, I want to be a forgiving person, but in terms of your compatibility with me for marriage and just like the the issue that you're causing on this show, I can't, you know, forgive you and, and keep you here, but I can forgive you or give you a chance to apologize or whatever and, and send you home. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is a, this is a reality show, you know, we were trying to, in a, you know, brief amount of time, find someone to marry. And so it's like this, the necessary, like the way that you forgive and give people second chances in your regular life or the way that you should is not necessarily applicable here. I mean, you risk like them really dragging down morale and like messing with your connections with the people that might actually be good. And so, I mean, there, and I mean, even in the last couple seasons, there haven't really been instances where they've sent home someone who was just like totally innocent. And so, you know, the fact that someone <laughs> is, you're getting told about someone generally means that, I mean, it's not like a super high bar, but there's like this bar of like, you're not playing nice with everyone else. Um, and it's enough that people are like going to tell you, like telling you about it. That's probably a sign that it's like, okay. It's probably not for me, someone who's stirring up this. And they're probably just here for the drama, which is great for the viewers. But uh, you got to like kind of get those people out of here. But Clayton is such a such a company man. He's going to, you know, some of it, maybe maybe he's genuinely believing them. But he might also just be playing along with the having a good villain timeline because we haven't had one of those in a few seasons. And it's great. Uh, so he could just be playing along. Who knows? But as far as the cocktail party goes, that's basically all we get. Um, we got the basically just like going over the Shanae stuff. Um, and so then they just go right to the rose ceremony after that. So definitely tough for the women who, um, you know, are constantly talking about how, you know, the, those who not having the cocktail party hurts the most. Um, so it's tough for them, but that's just kind of how it has been this season. I think we've had like the first cocktail party was relatively normal. And then since then they've pretty much all gotten cut short for one reason or another. Um, but Serene, Rachel and Teddy already have roses from the dates. And then, so getting the roses were Sarah, Marlena, Genevieve, uh, Mara, Marinara and Gabby, Susie, Eliza, Hunter, and Shanae, of course. Um, you know, there's no way that she wasn't going home after how he ate up her apology. Um, and, you know, the way that the women were talking, there was going to be a big problem um, if, he, if he kept her. And, you know, sometimes you, you want to see, I mean, obviously they're not going to because it'll like ruin their chances. They just, you just kind of have to write it out. But you want to see like a full scale revolt. Like we're going to walk out if since you've kept her like it's it's her or get rid of her or you get 
or that she's that that would be awesome that would be like an all-time bachelor moment if you know like the 12 remaining women were like it's either all of us or her that would be some sick union moves um but probably we'll never see that maybe i mean maybe one day we will because they'll have to keep making each season more dramatic than the last it's true and i think that you know at least how I read his body language when he was handing out the final rose to Shanae. He looked down at it. And maybe this was an act. He looked what? He looked down at it. Oh, down at it. Okay. I was like, what did you just say? <laughs> and maybe this was like an acting cue from the producers to really make it dramatic and stuff. But it seemed like he was murmuring something to himself as he looked down at it. A real phrase. And he just seemed frustrated. And so I think that there is not this for sure uh, buy-in from Clayton about Shanae. I think that there is some hesitance there. And, you know, that's why we end up seeing this two-on-one date the following week. Is because I don't think he is 100% sold on Shanae. He's more sold on her than he should be. But I do think... Fear not, other women, you have a chance to sway him in the other direction. Yeah. So not getting roses then were Sierra, Lindsay, and Jill. Sierra uh, went on her way out with a, what did she say? She's like, don't make any dumb decisions or something. And to don't be stupid. Oh, yeah. She's, she's like, like don't, don't be, be stupid. Stu- LOL. Um, you being stupid. Um, and yeah, so sad, sad exits for for some of them, it seemed like Rachel and Jill were really close. Um, you know, I don't know that, and that—that's basically it. anything final on that the last week. Nope, they are just continuing. Shanae thinks she's continuing to take out the trash. So Genevieve is next, which is quite, um, you know, ominous for what ends up actually happening. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm scared. Um, for, from my girl Genevieve, um, but we'll see. But time for some international love. Yes, they are off overseas to Toronto. Um, over lakes. Over Lake Huron, which was not today's wordle. Mm. I don't know. He won't be hearing this today. Uh, you'll be hearing this maybe tomorrow or maybe Friday. <laughs> we'll see. Um, but yeah, they're going to Toronto um, so that they can be close to Niagara Falls for a dramatic two-on-one date. Um, but yeah, Clayton is surprised with how many strong connections he already has. And we are we are as well. Poor uh, guy. He didn't think he would really make it. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, I think it would just be surprising, you know, if you're like three or four weeks into this thing and it's like dang i really actually feel like i'm connected i think that's probably real um, i mean he lucked out he has a great group of he women he has a great group of women so he really does obviously there's a, a big big huge villain but otherwise the other women seem really great maybe best we've seen in a, several seasons except maybe our next one-on-one <laughs> gabby but he he is hoping the drama is going to go away i just said lol because that's not bound to happen anytime soon because he's a dummy and he keeps the drama around. It doesn't go away, Clayton. You have to 
actively get rid of it. Um, but yeah, the new, the day card, they, they're at their fancy swanky Toronto hotel and, uh, they bring in the day card and it's for Gabby. Um, definitely, you know, we've made some comments about Gabby. She, um, the, the big one is that I didn't realize she was 30. Um, they were <laughs> no like showing kidding. that this episode and I was like, wait, she's 30. Cause she doesn't look 30. She looks young and, um, just kind of the way that she's goofy and, um, sometimes seems like a little bit of an airhead, but then also with the surprisingly like big vocabulary that she occasionally pulls out, she pulled one out this episode. Um, she referred to Shanae as a succubus in this episode, um, which is a word I like was familiar with, but I did have to look it up to make sure I understood what it was, but yeah, it's like a demon thing. Um, but yeah, she like will pull out these big words, but she, she did get the, uh, the one-on-one and love is on the horizon according to the date card. Um, but yeah, anything else on this selection on him picking Gabby? I was shocked. I really was. But I think maybe, you know, because she has been just so goofy and everything and he's like intrigued by that, which I could see how that would be really fun and inviting. He wants to have one-on-one time with her to see if there is actually a strong connection there. And so I get that to an extent. I I would have just kind of waited a little bit more. I think I would have had other people in mind first, but to each their own. <laughs> For sure. And, you know, we're not seeing everything. I think that, um, yeah, I've got some additional additional notes on this in a second. But... Um, we first have to, of course, get the, the, uh, not, I was gonna say annual, um, the every episode reminder that Shanae is not here to make besties and it just kind of disgusts her how the other women are so happy for the one-on-one recipient because it's like, stop thinking of, uh, stop being so happy for everyone else. Think of yourself. Um, which I don't know is a little narcissistic there, Shanae, don't you think? Yeah. And it's just, you know, ultimately not how this show really works. Like there is a community element of it. You have to be able to survive in the house to have any chance of surviving with the lead. And so, you know, it's just, that's just not how it works. You are, you're making friends. You're happy. I think at this point especially you're still a bit removed from like the realities of the situation so it's like okay cool yes like I'm glad you got a date because you're my BFF and then I'll get a date next time and it all kind of evens out yeah but so the one-on-one date um we get another helicopter ride they get to kind of look around um Toronto um looks pretty fun they they come across a little game of, or uh, a little setup for them to play some, um, there are no rules hockey, um, which is just a chance for them to kind of, I don't know, have some goofy fun playtime. Um, they eat some beaver tails, not actual beaver, t- beaver tails, but basically just, um, funnel cake made in the shape of a beaver tail, um, which looks pretty, looked pretty tasty. Um, she, Gabby then, takes a nap on the ground when she meets a dog um, and lets the dog kind of snuggle with her, which is um, pretty funny. Don't know if I've ever seen anything like that before on a one-on-one date. Um, And yeah, I think when it comes down to it, I think that she's primarily like odd on TV. Like, I think that if you encountered her in real life, uh, she wouldn't come 
like she wouldn't seem like she she'd probably just seem more like goofy and unique i think like especially just compared to like the like very typical cookie cutter bachelorette con or bachelor con contestant like she definitely stands out as being i mean yes at times like airheaded um and like just saying like kind of captain obvious type things and she does have kind of like a breathy type voice which doesn't help her out um but yeah i think that this is one of those things where i think it's just a little bit of the like you're weird on camera but probably not actually that weird in in the grand scheme of life and that could just be like she is like personally a little weird on the camera and it's just like the way that she is compared to what we're used to seeing on our, our tv screens is just like a little bit strange um i think that's a good take yeah i don't i think it's hard because it's like easy to sit here and be like oh like you know she's so dumb or like the stuff she says is so silly or she's just ridiculous but i think it's probably like better to to i don't know to be kind um i'm trying to work on being kind you know it's easy to just easy to not be that way and so it's good to to try to you know be charitable and and assume the best about people but yeah, uh, anything else on the daytime portion of their one-on-one? No. No? It it did seem kind of uneventful. I don't know. They had some, like, fun little moments um, just kind of showing off their chemistry. And I think the real the real meat of it was the nighttime. But before we get there, there was a group date card. They were, of course, you know, oh, I don't want to be on this group date because I want the one-on-one. Yada, yada, yada. All that normal stuff. Um, but they did not expect what was coming next because on the group date card was Rachel, Sarah, Serene, Marlena, Susie, Hunter, Eliza, Teddy, and then Mara. And that's all. Um, Can you take the heat is what the date card said. Um, We knew from the preview that this was going to be a roast date. So he was going to see if they could stand under the broiler for a bit. Um, But that means we got a two-on-one. We got uh, uh, Shanae and Genevieve who... I mean, they haven't, like, specifically, like, beefed a ton. I mean, there's, like, yeah, last episode, Genevieve and Sierra, who's no longer here. Um, we're talking about her, but they haven't had, like, a ton of, like, intense confrontation between the two of them. So, uh, I don't know if... I've actually never seen an actual two-on-one. I think we discussed this on a previous episode. Peter season, there was, like, a three-on-one or something, which was weird. Um, and I don't even know if that was a full date. Um, I guess it might have been, but it was in Peru, I believe. Um, but yeah, so I don't really know what's normal, um, for two-on-ones, um, or if they're like even that normal. I just hear people referring to them a lot because I think they used to be more of a staple. Um, but yeah, so Sinead and Genevieve, that's going to be like the big storyline, um, for next episode is to see how that turns out. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the whole, the whole spiel. Of course, there's, you know, all the conversation about that. Sinead is confident she gets to send another person home. And Genevieve is rightfully a little scared because at this point, you know, she can't trust that Clayton will see through the the charade of Shanae. And she is probably genuinely worried that she's going to get sent home and have it cut short because of Shanae, which yeah. is a bummer for her. I think it's an unfortunate person to send to because she, um, well, she just has had some interesting dynamics because I feel like with Clayton and among the, uh, like, well, individually, she just seems to be more quiet and is just kind of, like, almost nervous, and she just feels really real, like, 
she's like saying, you know, yeah, my parents have been married 30 years and, you know, and just more gentle and not as confrontational. But then we did see last week an explosion in front of everyone between her and Shanae where she was just like almost yelling. It's not about the shrimp. Yeah. And so I don't know. I feel like for a two on one, you want someone who has been consistently like um confrontational and outspoken and we haven't always seen that from Genevieve I do think she gets extra nervous in stressful situations and she felt more confident speaking up and out against Shanae because she knew the rest of the women would be on her side and not think it was out of place that she was like raising her voice but I don't know so I think it's kind of interesting I feel bad for her I don't know if she has like the tactical skills to um survive survive this two-on-one and the dynamics it presents so i don't know that's too bad yeah that'll be tough but back to the one-on-one date it is now the nighttime portion and um we got kind of a, a pretty good conversation here between gabby and clayton yeah this was big for me she was talking about how her mom was very affectionate in general, but then she could just ice her out another moment and withhold love. And because she knew what her mom was capable of giving, her um, ignoring Gabby and just not giving her any love was just a really striking contrast and very difficult for her to um, internalize. And she just thought to herself that if her mom can just one day stop loving her and not show her any love then surely anybody else whose love is naturally a lot less unconditional than a mother can just stop loving her too and I think that that is one of the hardest things I've ever heard and something that I would truly feel as well if I was in her situation because when your mom does something that impacts you in that way and and withhold withholds love um you know for for no reason it can make you question how uh other loving relationships are supposed to look like and what you deserve in a relationship so yeah that was really brave of her and very difficult and i think that um it certainly shows more to her than just her goofy side and I really respected what she shared yeah yeah it was good I think that that I think helped show her you know some more depth to her um whereas I think she's been kind of characterized as a more goofy character this season and um I think started to kind of see her like maturity um in in talking about this and seeing that like oh yeah she she isn't 23 she she is kind of she's like processed through this stuff and um seems to like have a handle on it while not like totally um being super confident that she's overcome it but definitely you know the first step is like understanding um what you're going through but um yeah they talk about feeling a strong connection you know typical stuff here um and she gets the rose anything else on their conversation no, I think that, you know, the um, the response to this was really huge. 
to hear for me as a viewer like Clayton was really all about how she opened up and was saying he thinks that you know she could potentially be his wife and that's that's a big title for Gabby and just such a leap from where she was day one but she also got an intro package and her intro Mm. package is what made me initially not like her and think she was just you know trying to be there to be an influencer because it was very teenagery and she was like taking selfies and like (laughs) hopping around and yeah I seriously did not know until this episode either that she was 30 or just didn't realize it because just like she has not acted like that at all and um you know I think she still has a, a long way to go but it seems like wow she has really just sort of had yeah, no kidding. I mean, this is like one of those moments where it's like, is Gabby a front runner? Like hometowns? I don't know. I mean, maybe. Anything is possible in Clayton's world. No kidding. And I do, I mean, I do wonder. It's like, is Clayton like just like he hears something deep and emotional and then that like he, he feels like that's then like a deep connection with that person because they shared something vulnerable with him. I don't know if he has like a good sense of like what it means to like connect well with someone obviously i have no idea what's going on in his head but yeah you do kind of wonder like it feels like he forms the strongest connections with whoever tells him the saddest story well sometimes sometimes. i I feel that way about this show in general i mean i think that vulnerability and chemistry has been defined in the context of trauma sharing and it's become like a strategic move too um, and can almost always get you a rose. And so it kind of minimizes um, the the intimacy and the gravity of it for me. I mean, I'm always struck by all of these stories, but yeah, it, it has become kind of like this you know the leads are are defining their connections based on just if you shared trauma or not instead of like you know anyone can share something vulnerable with you um if they want to you never know what the stranger walking down the street is going to tell you but that doesn't mean your connection with them got any stronger unless you know you like I don't, you apply it to some other thing that you see in your relationship with them or that you see in them. And maybe he's doing that. And I think in this situation with Gabby, he certainly did because he was like, oh, this shows a different side to her than just Goofy. Um, and, you know, it explains maybe some of her insecurities and this informs me as, you know, her current boyfriend, blah, 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 all of this. And so, I don't know. I want to give him some credit. I also want to um, just, you know, recognize that it's not unique to Clayton. I think a lot of people do this where they're like, oh, you shared. We're now on such a deep level. (laughs) And it certainly helps, but it's not an automatic thing. And I think this show treats it like an automatic thing. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think that's like a real thing. I mean, you do feel connections to people who, you know, share vulnerably. Mm -hmm. Yeah. but that's not like all it takes. Um, right. And so I think sometimes that's all they get. And so you're kind of basing it on like whoever shares the most vulnerable thing with you is the thing is like naturally the person you feel deepest to. But it's hard to 
I don't know, you kind of are making these decisions and you still have like, you know, 14 people left. You are kind of making decisions based on who you have those conversations with. Um, but yeah, that's basically, I think it for the Gabby one-on-one, um, both of these dates were not, I mean, I had good conversations at the nighttime portions, but didn't seem like they're super like significant daytime portions, um, especially following up on a date like Rachel's that seemed like, you know, some front runner material, but we did get comments from Clayton at the end of both of these dates that kind of made it seem like he, that both of these one-on-one dates were also, um, really strong, mm-hmm. but yeah, so I guess that's it for, for Gabby's. Um, but it's now the group date group date, and it's time to, to have another roast. Um, these are generally pretty fun. Usually stoke the, the flames of the existing drama. Sometimes start some new rifts, maybe. Um, and we, we got an almost one, one that seemed like it, and maybe it'll manifest. <laughs> maybe it'll manifest a little bit uh, later on. Um if if both of these women continue on um but we'll we'll have to see i think maybe um everyone that was there kind of understood understood what was going on and and didn't take it too personally um after the after the fact but um russell peters ever heard of him canadian actor and comedian apparently master of roasts i want to say that i've seen him in the background on like a sitcom that i've seen at some he point. looks like vaguely familiar i don't know right. from i have no idea we'll have to you look it up gotta go on your imdb app that you love so much yeah i guess i got it i almost did during the episode but then i i didn't i you was trying to take notes because you were in love with me <laughs> and i was trying to take notes for our podcast um but yeah he comes out um and even before he like anyone introduces him he's just like roasting clayton which was pretty funny um but yeah, he, he gets introduced and he introduces the the name of the game, which is you're writing some roasts. You're going to roast Clayton, um, which is mostly what they said. But then, you know, they always end up roasting whoever they want um, after the fact, usually each other. And then often we get the most about whoever it is at the moment who is the villain, which is Shanae. Um, so, yeah, I think there's, of course, some little scenes of them writing their jokes and um Clayton and Russell going around checking on them seeing how they're doing checking their material um, but we don't really get any um we don't really get any sneak peeks of any of their jokes but um Marlena is feeling very confident about this she I love her energy she is great she's so confident she she knows what's going on and you probably do have to have that that sort of confidence and and um yeah I guess just confidence being an Olympian as she as she has been and so um, she comes out swinging. She makes like a classic uh, Southern joke about kissing your mother with your mouth closed or open. Um, I'm which, offended. Clayton, yeah. It is one of those moments where you're like, okay, like, you know, this isn't Arkansas. Come on. <laughs> Missouri. We're Midwest. Especially yeah. freaking St. Louis area. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. St. Louis is definitely not as Southern as, as the rest of, you know, Southern Missouri, but... It does get pretty southern uh, in the southern parts of our state, but um, the northern parts are basically Iowa, so. Truly. So, yeah, and then, you know, then we get some, the first Shanae roasts, they are making jokes. Um, So then we kind of then, after Marlena, the rest of the women, we kind of see various clips of them um, roasting Clayton some, roasting 
each other. And then, of course, most of them came back with a roast of, of Shanae. Um, Poor Hunter. I didn't realize she had IBS. Oh, yeah. That's tough, man. And to be outed like that. Yeah, that's man. That's that's tough and, and kind of embarrassing. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, she's probably confident. She's probably had it for a while. It's not like that big of a thing. It just means that you, I don't know, have an irritable bowel. And it's tough sometimes. I don't know. Maybe they have to take breaks for her to deal with it. Hunter, I will show solidarity with you and publicly admitting on this podcast that I wish my bowels were a bit more irritable. Because right <laughs> there's not enough irritation going on sometimes. More like lazy bowel syndrome. Um, then the, other, the only other thing that was like new that came out of this, um, since there wasn't like Sinead, I mean, they were roasting Sinead, but she wasn't there to like stir anything up. But that there's like maybe a hint of some like old versus young uh, drama between Mara, who is 32, and Sarah, who's 23, the youngest and I believe oldest remaining uh, so far or at this point in the season. Um, so they're, I don't know, they're making jokes about Mar- uh, Sarah, I think, was first and came out swinging with some cougar jokes. And it, this definitely was like, you could see her age where she like hadn't done anything like this before, probably, and thought it was really hilarious. Like she was definitely like cracking herself up a lot about her jokes about haha Mara is old um uh, but Mara I think was much more poised and like focused in her jokes you know she said that Sarah was 13 years old um offered to babysit um Sarah if in the future if if things uh worked out with her and Clayton which is pretty funny um but it, it did devolve at the end though because she just straight up said like be word you gotta go home <laughs> oh yeah and that was less of a roast and more of just like you know an attack but i don't i mean maybe if shanae goes away after this two-on-one that drama will like manifest itself some um but it kind of seems like it's not it, it's ageism just... isn't strong enough of a threat <laughs> for the show <laughs> basically not um but yeah it just didn't seem like it didn't seem like it was going to be a big problem. Um, they didn't really highlight it at all during the nighttime portion. Um, but yeah, anything else on, on this roast portion of the date? There's a bunch of like... I love roasts. I yeah, just wish fun. that they would have brought out Gabby, Genevieve, and Sinead to be in the audience. Yeah, got to get those Sinead faces. View it. Yeah, so that she can... First of all, they always do that. Anytime they've got like one of these workshop type dates um where they're workshopping songs well, they're out and about usually they do those they've been doing those in the bubble so they that's haven't fair. had any other audience that's fair but this also, time they had some hapless toronto toronto <laughs> what's the demonym for people from toronto let's ask justin bieber um but you know also i don't know why abc would miss this opportunity to um manifest some more drama because Shanae hearing in person what's being said about her and reacting live man that's like a major opportunity and I honestly want to see all of the colors of Shanae's roast that would come out well she wasn't on the date so she would have just had to sit there no and not get to rebut. well but that's yeah. true but if she was again yeah whatever you're right a but she Torontonian Torontonians Torontonians yes um, sorry, did you have something to, to wrap up there? No, I just think they missed out. On yeah, well, you know, you can't have it all. But but you do make a good point. 
Um, but so then it's the nighttime portion of the day going right to that. Um, Susie gets the first time she does an anti-roast for Clayton. So she says a bunch of nice things. That was cute. That's it was a, nice. That's a move from my playbook. I would totally come up with something like that. Yeah, you really would. And it was a lot of things that, you know, could be said about me that you have said to me. You <laughs> How know. convenient for you. It's great. It was, I just basically imagined it was you saying it to me and it was really nice. Wow. How romantic. <laughs> um clayton thinks marlena outdid herself this week even after she did she did she did so so good and she killed it so she's killed it two group dates in a row um she used both her uh her wit and her delivery of the spoken word uh to kill it and then she used her legs and athletic prowess i was gonna say prowess prowess to kill it on the last group date I mean, uh, and no she's to show for it. gorgeous. Like, yeah. he cannot keep sleeping on her. Like, she is. Well, that's killing. not till that's not till the final three. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong <laughs> preposition. Okay, <laughs> but um, then after those two interactions, we see poor Gabby stuck at the hotel with the um, soon-to-be one-on-one foes. Uh, Shanae and Genevieve and she just thinks that it's awkward but she gets to be the one to read out the day card and it says into the falls our journey goes and they don't know what this could mean that sounds like Yoda into the falls our journey goes (laughs) (laughs) um yeah uh, but they don't seem to know right off the bat that Niagara Falls is close by, you know, like within driving distance from Toronto. Um, so they don't, I think at least Genevieve is like, I don't know what this means. What is this? Um, it's Gabby, I think, who figures it out. I think so. I, she's, you don't sleep on Gabby. She, she's, she's pretty smart. She got that big vocabulary. She's a nurse. She is. You have to be pretty yeah. smart to, to become a nurse. Nursing school's hard. Yeah. I think she's ICU nurse. So yeah, she is. That's high level. Um, but yeah, back, back to the, the group date, um, Clayton tells Rachel that she's been on his mind, like basically constantly the last couple days, um, which, you know, is telling she's, she's the front runner as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Yes. And I like Rachel. Yes. She's great. I swear to you, aside from their one-on-one, every time she does interact with him, at like cocktail parties or on group dates or whatever, she says something that is kind of weird. Oh yeah, what she said this time? She was like, "I'll be honest. If I had to choose the date that like I for sure did not want to be on, it was this one." Yeah, and, and I think she just like phrased that poorly. I think that it would be like you know, if coming into this, if I would have you know of all of the different dates that I've seen before, like a roast is the one that I would have been most nervous to be on. Like she could have phrased it a lot better. Right. And I think that every time um, she says stuff, it's like, okay, I get the point you were trying to make, but the way you started out on this, it just sounds so weird. And like spin zone time, maybe it's just that she's real. I mean, clearly Clayton doesn't things awkwardly like all of us do. Clayton doesn't care. I mean, he thinks it's great. No, but I it's just, I don't know, every time it cracks me up because it's like predictable. You can always um, be sure to hear some like strangely worded thing from Rachel. But whatever. They've got a great connection. I do like her. I'm just pointing that out. No, that's totally fair. Um, I don't know. Sarah and Rachel talk about how they have a strong connection. They like, I think. Sarah and Clayton. Sorry, Sarah and Clayton. Man, I'm mixing up names today. 
I hope Sarah and Rachel don't have a strong connection. That'd be awkward. Um, but yeah, the, or maybe they're just good friends. Who knows? Um, but yeah, so they, I think they go out like onto the roof or the balcony or something to have some kisses. Those are always big moments. Um, maybe Sarah is a front runner. Who knows? Um, I don't at this point really understand anything except for that Rachel is the front runner. Um, but yeah, he, it's time to hand out the group date rose and Rachel makes Clayton feel safe with every interaction. And so he gives her the group date rose. Um, and that's, I don't know, that's about the night. That's about all I've got for that group date. Not a lot happened. Well, no drama. I do feel a bit disappointed that Marlena didn't get the group date rose. And she certainly expressed that too, because she did do really well on this group date and is coming off of last week's group date where she did really well. And so I think it's disappointing because it seems like it's not enough to just equal his like already built relationship with Rachel because I don't think he really awarded the rose to Rachel because of anything that was specific to this group date. Yeah. You know, he just did it because, oh, she's in his top pick. But it's like I my philosophy on group date roses is that they should relate to mm. something with that group date and this one clearly didn't and so he could have given a rose and would have given a rose to Rachel at the rose ceremony and I guess will because it hasn't happened yet but like you know and given Marlena one here and so it makes me think like is he not going to give one to Marlena at all like I just don't know why he didn't it just didn't make sense and it felt unfair and you know obviously Marlena didn't see their conversation but if she would have she would have been like there was nothing that went on that was like better than what I did during this <laughs> group date and our connection specific to this group date. So why aren't you giving me this specific group date? Rose? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just am saying I, again, I like Rachel, but she could have gotten a rose later on. So, yeah. Um, then it's the next day. Um, like you said, this episode did feel like it was kind of quick. I, I thought that they were going to, end the episode before any of the two one happened but they definitely you could tell with the music that it was they were going to get it started and then leave us hanging a bit um or at least like kind of get us started they they were gonna do all the the interviews and and um, build up to it without really starting it um well i guess they did start it we got some dialogue between mm-hmm. um between them it wasn't all just um you know them talking about it but the I wrote the next day the three front runners, Gabby, Susie, and Rachel. Obviously, that's you know TBD. But I think I, I think Susie has staying power. Um, she hasn't done a ton, and we haven't seen a lot. But that's often the case for front runners is you don't get a lot from them in the early episodes. Yeah, and she still she was the first one picked for a one on one. Yeah, and so that means something. And even the person we thought was initially a front runner from the beginning, Teddy, who got the first impression rose, hasn't even received a date yet. So yeah. I think that Susie definitely is ahead of Teddy at this point. So yeah, but anyway, they're just talking about the impending two on one. Um, Susie says that if he comes back with Shanae and not Genevieve, uh, she knows that she's going to take her relationship with him less seriously. And we get kind of similar. Uh, takes from some of the other women and that's I mean fair at this point I mean like you're saying you gotta you know I mean you've you've stated the case you said hey listen she's toxic we don't like her she causes trouble she doesn't like anyone she's mean and rude 
if you are like falling for her, whatever she's telling you, that was like, I, you know, it's just hard to take you seriously after that. Yeah. I'm really glad that somebody finally said that because, you know, she, Susie said what I think is on everyone's mind, but they're afraid to say it because it like, um, indirectly criticizes Clayton (laughs) where it's like if Clayton can't see Shanae's true colors and is maybe even attracted to her despite what he's seen or heard then is his judgment really that good do I as a contestant actually want to end up with this man as my fiance I mean you as a contestant have every right to like make your own assessments of the lead they're not the only ones that can make assessments of you and who he picks and who he sends home and and, you know how he deals with these situations says a lot about who he is so I mean I think I was really glad to hear that it's like yeah um ladies keep your eyes open because how he handles this you know you should care about that too um and I hope that Clayton realizes that and I think it was important for I don't know who said it but just someone to say like I don't think Clayton realizes like what this date means Means, not only to Shanae and Genevieve but to all the women in the house like this does mean a lot and can say a lot and so I hope he recognizes that and brings that into his decision making yeah no kidding and um honestly at this point I'm kind of 50 50 I think last week we were saying dang is Shanae gonna like it a hometown Uh, I don't know I mean I think it could go either way um We'll just have to see if he falls for it. We'll have to see if you're right about his body language at the rose ceremony. Because um, there is a certain point at which, I mean, the lead will go along with stuff for a certain amount. Um, but there is a point where it's just like, I can't take it anymore. I got to get rid of this person because I'm not, I'm not into it. Um, but yeah, we do see the start of the two-on-one. You know, we, we get the great scene with them with their suitcases, getting all packed up, ready to go, which we haven't seen any suitcase shots this season um for the one-on-ones that hasn't really been a point of emphasis Mm -hmm. and reminding people that they could go home um if they don't get a rose on the one-on-one date Um, Clayton withholding a rose on a one-on-one date not after what happened to him (laughs) no he's too traumatized um but yeah so he he meets up with them and you know gives them the spiel you know I know this is gonna be awkward but I just want us to have fun you know so let's do it. Let's go, let's go down and get a closer look at the falls and they get up out on the boat. Um, Shanae has decided even before this, I think, but she reiterates that Genevieve is a chihuahua and she says she hopes she can swim because she's going to be throwing her into the falls. She's just so mean. She's very mean. She's very mean. Um, but very entertaining. I mean, up to this point, like this is a huge, moment for Genevieve and would be it would be really easy to say something critical of Sinead but she did not say anything leading up to this she just said like you know I'm really nervous this isn't gonna end well blah 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 but hasn't like even said well I hope that Clayton sees Sinead's true colors or anything like she hasn't said anything negative she said something like that about Sinead oh I don't know I mean the other woman did certainly someone yeah I haven't I don't think I heard anything from her that was like critical i think she's really just nervous probably because she realizes like i am not really the type to effectively like fight against this actress you need i don't know 
Sierra Rip, she would have been, I think, a, a stronger candidate. I don't know. We'll see. Poor Genevieve. I just think that this is um, this is going to fall even further. Um, <laughs> but to be continued. We'll see how this unfolds next week. Again, leaving us on a cliffhanger, ABC. TBD. Uh, I just don't know when we'll ever catch up. We were definitely wrong about uh, this episode ending on a you know oh did we think i don't know i like speculated how it could maybe happen but yeah no there's no way we're just not even gonna go down that road again at this point no i don't see another episode i mean unless they figure out how to cut some stuff really short or delay stuff but they're not really dragging anything out yeah it's just a mess it doesn't really matter at this point we just have to get used to how it is (laughs) hopefully next season we can have a, a good bachelorette that can really keep us on track they always do. If we watch, we'll see. Hopefully there's a nice long break. What's your final rose? Um, my final rose is that um, you know, I think I'll be I will be of course sad. Genevieve has been one of my favorites, kind of. Um, just like from first impressions. I've been like, Oh, she seems cool. Um <laughs> That's one way to put it. Yeah. Um, but I think she has a lot of potential, even from the first episode of like talking, it seemed like they had a great connection and so I'll be really sad if she's the one to go. She's, I'll miss her reactions and, and faces, but of course, bright side is we get more excellent villainry. Um, but then, you know, if she goes home, we can move on to other drama because really we haven't seen any other depth, um, from, or any conflicts between Clayton and really anyone else. It's all Ben Shanae focused. And so I think... There is a sense in which it's like, obviously, you hope Shanae stays and that we can still have some more villainy. But then, on the other hand, I think it would be good. I think we are starting to hit the, like, limit of what we can take. And we want to see some more depth from the rest of the the cast. Yeah. I am hopeful for this two-on-one. But I don't think that there is, like, any clear outcome. No, it's a toss-up. It really is. My final rose for those that did see the spoiler um, at the beginning of this season where like the final three were doxxed or whatever. Um, I think that the way that these past two episodes have shaped up that I think maybe what Clayton said about how there that wasn't actually like a top three spoiler and there's a lot more nuance that we don't know. I think that that... Um, you know, we've seen that with what has occurred in the past two episodes. And I think that, you know, I actually can't say for sure who I think I saw the top three were um, because things are kind of looking different than what would be the top three. (laughs) If you know what I mean. If If you watch the spoiler, you know what I mean. So anyway... That's my final rose is that maybe Clayton is right. Maybe we didn't actually have this season spoiled for us based on how things are going. Could be. So. It'd be stupid of them either way. Of ABC to do that to us. So dumb. If you understand my cryptic message here that I'm trying to keep cryptic since Zeke doesn't want to be spoiled, um, which I don't know the outcome. I'm just speaking from like the freaking abc trailer spoiler not anything online or anything like that so if you if you get what i'm if you're picking up what i'm putting down then you know um that this is a good final rose but to everybody else this just sounds like gibberish so bear with me um 
But thanks for sticking with us through another great episode of In It for the Long Haul with Zeke and Lexi Hall. Reach out to us if you have any questions, comments, or roses of your own. And I hope that you all have a great Valentine's Day and celebrate with your loves, be it a person in your life or simply donuts, which was my Valentine for a long time. Thanks, Zeke, for stepping up the game. (laughs) We'll see you next week. 